0: It's good to be. It's good to be back. If you didn't know, I've been gone for six weeks. If you didn't miss me, then that's that's a problem. We're gonna have to have a conversation. Um, but thank you, worship team. You guys couldn't have saved that till the end because I'd like. I gotta get my emotions back together. Um, but I've been gone for for six weeks, and I've been on leave. It's not a bad one. I'm not in trouble. I know there are bad leaves. This is a good one. Uh, I'm blessed and lucky enough to, to work for uh, the conference that gives new fathers and mothers leave six weeks. Um, and so I got to spend it with um, our, our still-newborn, four-month-old, Isla. And the last six weeks have been filled with dirty diapers, a lot of bottles, A lot of crying, a lot of sleepless nights, and and those aren't going to go away. Uh, We were reminded of that last night, but uh, I admire my wife, Vanessa, who um, handles night times better than me. Uh, She can actually um, get Isla to sleep and and sleep for at least two or three hours, where with me, I get like an hour and she's up. So um, it has been uh, amazing to spend that time. I actually got to do it as well with uh, Adeline when she was first born four years ago, and, and it, it was an amazing experience um, just to get to bond with them on a different, different level, and not every parent gets to do that, and, and I recognize that, so I, I cherished this time with them, um, and while I was gone, Pastor Justin and Pastor Mark were holding everything together, and they did an amazing job. Um, I got to watch online, and, and I just missed being back in the presence of all of you and of God experiencing him together in one place. And so I look around and I, I see the smiles behind the mask. I, I, I see the gratitude. I see the praise. And it is just a good feeling just to be back um, in, in this space. And so if you've been journeying with us since probably December, you know that we have uh, been trying to tackle a question. And Isaiah brought it up when he uh, first came up. But it is the question, what is church? What is church? And if this is your first time, we want to welcome you. Welcome to Warehouse Community. And we have been exploring that question and trying to lay a foundation in order for us to figure out what is God calling us as individuals and corporately as to what is church? What is that supposed to look like? And so we, we established the foundation. Pastor Mark talked about that the foundation is Jesus. It's the cornerstone. Jason came up and we were back in the Upper Youth Center and he told us what the what cornerstone actually means and so we know that we cannot have church if Jesus is not the foundation. And we've been in the book of Acts. We've used Acts to just kind of help us shape what we define as this body, this, this church thing. And, and as you know that this is the point where Jesus has left, and now we have been given the Holy Spirit, and this is where the New Testament church begins to be birthed. This is out of the book of Acts. So what better place than to go into Acts? And so if you have your Bibles, if, if you have whatever, your phone, um, turn with me to Acts 2. We are just getting a glimpse into what the function, what the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is. So we're in Acts 2. We're going to stay in in verses 1 through 4 for a little bit. And here's what it says, uh, Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we have the day of Pentecost. And this day is a big deal. It says the day of Pentecost was an annual feast that followed the feast of his first fruits by weeks of weeks or seven weeks or 49 Days. This was the 50th day, and in Greek and Hebrew, Pentecost means 50th. This was the culmination, the coming together of those feasts. So it was something major, a major event that was to happen. And during this time, the book of Acts tells us that they were all together in one place. Now there's discrepancy as to what this one place look was it could have been the temple some argue that it was a house some say it was just outside of the temple where these people were coming together to experience the presence of God manifested in the holy spirit but the point of this text was is that they were together traditionally what when we think of that we think of a church a building of some sorts but what we should think of is when we hear of a gathering, a culminating, a, 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 a gathering, a collective people that are, are in one place, we should immediately think of church. That is how we begin to define that term. You need me to move? Okay. I'm going to move. One second. See if I can do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't lost my coordination or balance over these six weeks. I still got it. Um, so, this is how we should be defining, and to, our brain should automatically associate the coming together of people with church. And so the first question that I have for us today is, if we define church as a group of people that come together, then what is the message that we're sending to our community? What are you as the body, as a piece of that church, what message are you sending to the community at large, across the street, when you go to Starbucks, when you go to work, when you're at home, as a leader in your home, what is, what is your reflection of the church, of the body of Christ? You know, it's been a year since we've been in this pandemic, and about a year ago, we were having this conversation about Upper Room, and we used to meet once a month, and it was, it was exactly that week that everyone was kind of scrambling, churches specifically, as to whether or not they were going to stay open. And it was almost as if every, every church had their eyes on each other, and we're like, okay, the first church that calls it, we're all calling it. And we were asking, I remember speaking to other pastors at other churches, like, are you guys having church? And they're like, I don't know, are you having church? And, and it was just kind of that I don't know we 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 haven't decided, and it was everyone was waiting till the very last moment, and slowly that Friday messages actually we called it Thursday messages began to go out, and we at at, at upper room were a little bit small, and we're like should we still have it, and Friday we made the call to not have upper room. That same day, we actually committed to somehow some way still being able to stream it. At the time, we were not streaming, there was no camera right in front of me. Uh, hello, everyone that's watching online, my family, I love you. Um, but there were no cameras, there was nothing. It was, it was experience that was just in that room. And so I got together, I started texting Isaac and Justin, and I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out, is this what we want to do? And, and um, we, always, we always open Pandora's box when us three are talking, and, and we begin to imagine things. And we're like, okay, we're going to figure this out. Upper room's tomorrow. And so I said, Isaac, what what do we need? And he's like, okay, you need to get these cameras. So I start calling around, and this obviously was the plan of every church that wasn't streaming, was to get these cameras, because I could not find them anywhere. And finally, I, I, uh, I make a phone call, and there are, I think it was two cameras at Best Buy past the airport. And Friday afternoon, um, I I leave out of line with my wife. And I go drive clear across past the airport to get these cameras. And when I get there, I I pick them up. The guy's like, I don't know what the the craze is with these cameras. Why everyone's buying them. I'm like, well, it's probably all these churches who want to create an experience for their community. And so we got the cameras. Um, They spent almost all night trying to figure it out. And I actually this week went back to watch um, that that first time that we streamed and it was just it was just a a nostalgic feeling of a reminder of the commitment that that this community of volunteers and people made in order to have that experience but it has been about a year since we have had a packed house a packed church a packed home whatever it is we have never we have not experienced that in so long and so when we think of this and we see that they were all they came together one one author says that it was it was a crowded space there was so much excitement anticipation and people all gathered together so going back to the first question as the church as the people of god how are you portraying that in your life how is the how is church how is forest lake being as exemplified in your work, in your home, on the road? What does that look like for you? What is the message that we want to send as warehouse community? And if it isn't defined as a building, it's defined by its people. Because if we simply associate church with a building, then the primary focus becomes the color of paint and the type of flowers, the type of plants that we put over the caring of people. If we define church by a building, then the priority is paint and plants over the caring of people. So how do you define church? When you read Acts 2 and you see the coming together, regardless of what, where they were, can you say, that is church? Did you experience that church feeling all last year? Could you have experienced church if you didn't? Or did you simply associate it with driving into the parking lot and worshiping here? This is definitely a piece of how we identify church, but it's more than that. When I first got here, I had over 40 conversations with young adults, adults, and before I came, I, I, was, I, was, I was freaking out because I came from a church that had 300 people, members, max. And the ones that attended maybe about 180 is, it was, our, was our average attendance. And I remember taking this call. At the time, I was youth and young adult, um, kind of both uh, pastor. I'm still called youth pastor, so there's two youth pastors at Forest Lake, um, Mark and I. But at the time, I I remember having a youth group of like 12 12 or 13 kids. And I realized that I was coming to a church much larger than that with with more people than that. And and I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. So I had a mentor of mine. His name was uh, Pastor David Achata, who's now planting churches. Some of you know who he is. And the very first thing that he told me, he's like, do not create anything but have conversations with people that are there, and ask them the question, what is it that Forest Lake needs to be? That, what what do we need to be as a church for you to call this home? And so I began to do that, and part of what was birthed out of that was, was Upper Room, was w- w- what we had, and, and it's now turned into this. They were saying, we want a worship experience that we can connect with. And the second most important thing that I heard, or, or the most common thing that I heard was, you know, church, I'm just, church isn't for me. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of you in here that I can look at right now that I know I, I took you out to get a coffee or to, to lunch. And uh, maybe some of you in here told me this and said, church, this isn't for me. You know, like I, I'm a Christian. I believe in scripture from beginning to end. I believe it. it tells the story of Jesus and, and the foundation is Jesus. And I read my Bible and I have my devotion, but like going to church, that's, that's just not my thing. It's not for me. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today. But what I will tell you, you may not need this building, but you need the body of believers. Christ has given us a body of believers to journey with. Whether in this space, whether in your home, in your community, whether it's your family, you may not need this building, but you need it believers. In Acts 2, we begin to see the importance, the intensity of what happens when a group of people come together and what God can do. We are taught to bridge the gap. When we're in school, when we are, uh, if you took, went to seminary or, or studied theology, they tell you when you read scripture, you bridge the gap between here and now. So Acts 2 isn't simply something that we read. It isn't a historical event. It isn't an allegorical story. It is something that we are called to experience here and now. We are called to come together and anticipate the presence of God wherever we are. And this isn't the first time that we see the work of the Holy Spirit. We see him in creation. We see him in the, Holy, in, in the Old Testament. We see him in the life of Jesus However, this is the first time in Scripture that the Holy Spirit not only falls upon people but now enters their life permanently. So now we're beginning to see what it is the work of the Holy Spirit actually entails. John 14:16 and 17 says, "And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate, the advocate being the Holy Spirit, to help you and to be with you forever." the spirit of truth the word cannot accept him because it is neither it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him and here it is for he lives with you and will be in you and this is what he's talking about is acts 2 the spirit will not only fall upon you but he will abide in you when jesus leaves the work of the spirit really begins to take shape When the people of God come together in anticipation that he is going to grace them with his presence, things happen that go beyond what we could ever comprehend. It goes beyond our wildest imaginations and understanding. And I've said this before, but this is our expectation in this space. Warehouse community, we expect God to do the unimaginable. To shake us and to move us. And I don't know about you, but... What I anticipate when God comes in the room is something great and major. And forgive me if my posture changes. If you see me there worshiping, my posture changes when I anticipate the presence of God in this space and in my life. Back when the Orlando Magic, you guys, you guys know who they are. Do you remember who they are? They're still a team. They win some games once in a while. I'll turn the TV on sometimes, and they're playing, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna commit to watching the game, and then they make like five mistakes in a row, and I change the channel, and there's like the Lakers while playing, and I'm like, this is good basketball, I'm gonna watch this instead, but the Orlando Magic, our last, our last glorious year that we've had was probably 2009, where we did play the Lakers, and uh, that was a disaster, However, that year was a great year. And I remember going to one of the games and there being so much excitement and anticipation for this team. We'd all, it was a packed Amway, I think it was Amway at the time, um, or TD Waterhouse, I forgot. It was a packed arena of people experiencing, or expecting something great, a great product, something amazing to happen. And I remember waiting for them just to come out of that tunnel and it would just be an uproar of cheers because we knew that this team was good and and we were going to expect something great to happen that day and i can't help but wonder and think what happens the first time we experience worship in heaven when the presence of the almighty god comes into that space what we will feel what are what happens to our posture acts 2 says the spirit came in violently and erupted that room. Can you imagine what your posture may look like when the presence of God shows himself to you in heaven? I can tell you he's here now. We anticipate that now. What happens to your posture of worship when God comes in to your presence? It blows my mind that A God who created the universe with a few words and the move of his hand still cares enough to be present with us in the here and the now, in our homes, here, as we drive. God cares. He's there. And it blows my mind that every single detail he cares about in my own personal life. But it says it came in like a violent Wind, and there was nothing peaceful about the presence of God when he entered the room in Acts 2. But somehow, some of us have or believe that passion, energy, and emotion, and excitement has no place in the presence of God when he himself entered the church violently. The church, the people that came together, enters violently. What we experience here is an invitation to go deeper with the one who gave his life for you and for me. Here's the importance of coming together. It's with purpose the phrase coming together is inserted here. You can read this passage, take that out, and it still makes sense. But it is with intention that those words are put in there because we can experience God on our own, but he also causes us to experience him with one another. Collective togetherness brings about individual change. Corporately, we are called to experience God. God did not intend for us to just have an individualized experience with him. And we did talk about that if you were here in January. We talked about what it means to experience the presence of Jesus on your own. But now, what does that look like to experience Jesus together? We used to do this this thing at my house. It was called uh, Collective. And we started that, it was like six years ago, I think. Um, And I, I talked about this maybe in December briefly. Some of you who are in this room used to go to that at my house. And what was amazing about that is we were just coming together to have food and sing some songs. And the beautiful thing about that is there were people that were coming to my house that I had no clue who they were. It was invitation. Someone heard about it and they came and it, it was beautiful. And what, whether or not they knew that they were coming to experience God and have worship and have church didn't matter because church was happening. And this is how I knew it. Conversations like, hey. I know you were having issues at work. How's that going for you? Hey, I know you're struggling with depression and anxiety. Can I pray for you? These were conversations that were happening in my home over food. And whether people came to experience that or not, they were having church. Church happens when we come together, we care for each other, and we seek the presence of the Almighty God. Verse six says when the crowd came together, they were bewildered and amazed and each one began to hear their own language being spoken. We're gonna get into speaking in tongues a little bit later. So if you came for me to give you the theology behind that, I'm not giving you the full theology yet. But it says each individual began to hear their own language be spoken the gift of speaking in tongues i have a question have we watered down the create, the creator's capabilities simply because we haven't experienced something like that in our own lives it's safe to say that no one here was present and witnessed the first coming of Jesus, but we put all our chips in the second coming of Jesus. We weren't there, but we have faith that he's coming again. Have we watered down the capabilities of our creator God? Have we read through this passage and said, oh, that, that probably didn't really happen? And is it because you haven't experienced it? Have we come to a place where we sing of a God of miracles, but expect the mediocre? Is that where we're at in our lives? Where we say, God, do a miracle in our life, but I'm really not expecting you to do one. What is our expectation of the Almighty God when we worship together in one place? Is it for him to do the unimaginable? Is it to do things that we can't even comprehend? Or have we watered it down? Are we praying for a miracle or settling for mediocrity? Verse 13, while many understood and others made fun, it says, they still remain faithful. They said, oh, they're, they're drunkards. They're drunk. They don't know what they're saying. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you lived a life with Jesus and have been misunderstood or not appreciated or looked down upon. But here's the thing. Whether or not people criticize your conviction, it should not occupy your attention. It should not matter what they call you. And somehow, somewhere down the line, we began to care more about what no one did for us more than the one who did everything for us. Somehow the priority became the person that we don't even know, the person who comments on our social media, the person who has negative things to say about our life. Somehow that has victory over the blood of Jesus. But none of that matters. God says, Calls us to experience him to do the unimaginable you may not think you're capable of doing something but God makes you that much more capable to do that thing you may not think you're qualified for a job you may not think you belong in this room right now but God says you belong because I have validated you in heaven Jesus paid the price for you to be enough It's time to rethink, church. It's time to rethink our spiritual journey with Him. It's time for God to do a new thing in our lives. It's time for God to do a new thing in warehouse community. And we seek that. We are beginning to seek that in the book of Acts. And we're journeying all year to ask God, God, what is that new thing that you're calling us to experience so here's what we know today specifically in this text as to what is church it's a gathering of believers who eagerly anticipate the presence of God through the Holy Spirit for a life-changing experience that continues to be poured out from generation to generation it's a violent wind that enters the room so strong that those who anticipate the coming of God have no other choice but to be moved into a direction of love and grace and to do the unimaginable. It's experiencing God differently than you would as an individual in your home, in your room. It's called to experience Him corporately. Church is experiencing God and showing your vulnerability, your uniqueness, And sometimes it's not the most popular thing in the eyes of your peers or those watching. But God did not call us to tranquility, but spiritual transformation. That is what he has called us to. And that is what this body of believers strives to become, is to be spiritually transformed by the Almighty God. This is what they were expecting in the book of Acts. They had high hopes and expectations and God lived up to those and he entered violently and he shook them into a direction of love and mercy and grace and their lives were changed forever. Acts 2 is the beginning of the, new, of the church. The Holy Spirit was doing something amazing and now, thousands of years later, we still experience this very thing. Anticipate that God's going to do something beyond your comfort zone. And experience it as one body together with each other, with this community. As hard as it was in 2020, we are getting a glimpse of what being together looks like once again. And I invite you to cherish this moment, to look around you. Because this is what we hope to accomplish one day together in heaven there's something new planned for your life and it's a lifelong loving relationship with Jesus who's here to forgive every single sin that you've committed it's preparing for Jesus to do radical things in your life I'm gonna have the worship team come back up and we're gonna sing a song that may be new to you but it's a new thing we're gonna sing the chorus and I invite you during this moment during this time God I want a new thing in my life I want to experience you corporately differently with this body of believers God do a new thing for this community that I call home do a new thing for Warehouse Community I invite you to pray if this is not your community pray for us my prayer for you as you sing these next few words is that God does a new thing in your life and in this community As we continue to seek His presence, His love, and His mercy. Let's sing this together. Jesus, you're not done. Jesus, you're not done. You're doing a new thing. You're doing a new thing. For all I've seen, I still believe. You're doing a new thing. You're doing a new thing. Jesus, you Jesus, you're. I want to pray over you that that new thing be experienced, that you be bold enough in your prayer to anticipate God to shake you violently into a new direction, into a direction you know that you need to go to or may not, that he may give you the courage to make the change in your life. that you trust and that you commit to the body of believers that he's given you. He has given you this community to walk with, to journey with, to experience him even greater than you may on your own. That is my prayer for you, that God does a new thing. Father God, Lord, we thank you. We see it. We believe it. everything that we've believed, we still know that you are capable of of that much more. God, may we not pray for a miracle and expect the mediocre. You've shown us in scripture time and time again that you are a God of miracles. So God, let that new thing change us and ultimately draw us closer into your presence. God, may, be, may we be drawn towards you, and may we do it together. There's power in the presence of one another, and we expect you to do wonders in this place. In your name we pray.